Turn with me if you have a Bible. If not, it'll be on the Sky Bible. If not, you can use your cellular device and find Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at 1, 2, and 3, as well as the verses that are in your handout. This is awesome. Thanks, um, Kristen. Thanks, peeps. Thanks for letting me hang out with you guys. This is awesome. Jeremy and the, the folks that look like they're having a great time at camp. But you guys are here, and so God's going to speak to you as well. But uh, I want to talk to you about what the heck is normal. What's normal? Kristen, do you have any idea what normal really is? Well, yeah, of course, yes. I was I, I peeked in in the rainbows class a little while ago, and I said hi rainbows. And Jet said I'm not a rainbow. I'm Jet. What's his middle name? Jet yes, he said I'm Jet Calvin. I'm not a rainbow. So Jet was not about to be labeled a rainbow. He's like, don't put me. He's like, what does his shirt say? Cool kids or something? Yeah, he's like, I'm a cool kid. Don't be labeling me no rainbow. I'm I'm a cool kid. So you know, normal is interesting. What it what it is, it, and who labels it? I mean, who who stipulates what normal is? I mean, is it the cool kids? Is it the dorks? Is it the jocks? Is it, you know, Pastor Jeremy? I mean, I don't know. I certainly am not normal. I've never been normal. But, you know, you think about normal. What is normal anyway? What defines it? Think about some things with me. Uh, how many of you have a cellular device of some type, a phone? You know, if, if you have parents, they're old, and they remember the days of phones having cords, yeah. How many of you have actually seen one of these phones with a cord? Yeah. Yeah, that, that, aid, that, that makes you either seem old or you've just been to a retro store. When I was your age, if you wanted a privacy in the phone, do you know what you did? You grabbed the phone, you yanked the long cord as far as it could go, and you went in the closet. And you're like sitting there talking, so you're kind of so sad. And then somebody pick up the other line. You're like, Mom, I'm on the phone. Stop it. So phones have changed. Then they went to the button pushing. Now, how many of you have realized that when you hit cell phones, they make a little noise? Have you ever realized that? That when you dial, it does it do, 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 do. That's because back in the day, the old phones make that noise. My parents' number is do, do, do. Do, 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 do. I still know how it sounds. It's 444-5834. Their number hasn't changed. And guess what? I just moved in with my parents, and so that's my number again. Isn't that crazy? Wow. It's kind of bizarre. So phones have changed a little bit. And cell phones, you know, back in the day, they used to be gigantor and have a massive deal. And now they've moved into what they are today. Very cool. Uh, you know, what's, what's some other things that are normal? You know, look at what's the, what's the, I, can't, I don't have my glasses, so I can't read. I'm sorry. Churches. Yeah. Churches have changed a little bit back in the day. You know, I'm, I'm, I like the Stephen Furtick, you know, baptismal where you have the, you know, the swirly, swirly slide into the baptismal. I'm, we, we need that to exit kids church. I'm just saying that's what we need. We need kids church to exit all over again. If you had one of those, you know, churches changed a little bit. It used to be back tent revivals, you know, Dude, I'm telling you guys, this is still for real. Like, there are still churches that have those types of signs out front. Old-fashioned worship, no rock music and dance or corrupt Bible versions. Because we do it right and y'all don't. That's down there back in, in Joplin turf. You go around the Osho, man, you got all these holiness churches. It's, it's interesting. So what's normal in church, you know? Uh, what are some other categories we can look at as normal? You know, television. Look at TVs. Anybody remember the old box TVs that were like massive and gigantor, you know, and, you know, and, and TVs have changed a little bit back in the day. I remember my grandma had a TV that was built in like her 
like big massive entertainment center that covered the entire wall you know and you know you see the analogy of TVs in 1990 versus 2011 things have changed not all for the good now they now they're all slim and sleek and cool you know and families families are something that's different you know it used to be the warden june cleaver days back in the day i grew up watching leave it to beaver and uh, it was, you know, the mom stayed home and made cookies all day, and dads went off to work, and the kids walked in, hi, honey, you know, or the, not the kids, the kids didn't say, hi, honey, I'm home, the, the dad did, but the kids would be like, hi, mom, how are you, how was your day at school, honey, you know, I mean, normals change, the Simpsons, maybe that's Cosby, you can't even, it's a shame, Bill Cosby had to be a bad guy and go be a criminal or something like that. I loved the Cosby show. That was it back in the day. You know, but, you know, you look at families today, families are different, you know. And some kids are raised by aunts, uncles, some are by grandparents, some uh, families are blended, some families are all kinds of different things. And today, in our culture today, the limits are consistently pushed on what normal is as far as family. And so what I want you to think about tonight with me is what really defines normal and what makes it normal. And we have to look at it differently as Christians. We have to look at it differently as followers of Christ. We have to look at what God's Word has to say. Because our world is definitely looking for something. I, I'm a John Mayer fan, and, and I, in his new album, The Search for Everything, is, is very quintessential of our culture today that there is a search for something. There's a search for the missing thing. What is it that's going to make me fulfilled inside? What's it going to do it for me? And our world's looking for something. And whether you know it or not, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you have it. You have it in your heart, and you have it in God's Word in printed form right in front of you. It's the answers to life. And so we're going to look a little bit at that tonight. Ephesians chapter 4 gives us some great ideas about being mature. Now, how many of you have ever been told you are immature as a student, as a, as a child, as your parent? Why do you have to be so immature? Well, as, as Christians, guess what? There's a maturity process that happens with that, and we got to do a little growing up. And what does a great thing or growing us up as a Christian is God's Word. All right, there's words that I like you to try to pull out of Scripture as I look at it. So as we look at these three verses, there's three words that really stick out to me. And the first one is prisoner. Now, how many of you, your aspiration in life is to grow up and be a hardened criminal and be on America's Most Wanted? Okay, let's watch closely. <laughs> Those Brookbank girls, you got to watch out for them. I, I know all about the Brookbank girls, you know. Oh, I have one of those things? Sweet. Hey, I'm good at holding and juggling. So, yeah, the Brookbank girls are notorious for merit camp mainly. So, mainly for merit camp because my nephews and my sons, who neither of my sons got their GMA, did they? No, they didn't. Make fun of them for that. So, yeah, they, they need Jesus too. But, you know, you know, some of you may want to grow up and be a hardened criminal, but, you know, when you think about it as a prisoner, Paul is writing this epistle as a prisoner. He's writing saying, you know what, I gave up everything to follow Christ. And a lot of times, I think, in, in our culture today, we have it pretty easy, you know. It's pretty easy to accept Christ. It's pretty easy to come to a place like this where we're accepted, we're loved, and there's not really, you know, anybody really coming at us and and putting us on blast too hard for, for following Christ. But Paul gave it all up. He had, to, he had to go all out, and he was a prisoner for the cause. And so let's look at what the text has to say. It says, Therefore I, as a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you to lead a life 
worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. See, Paul's talking to the Ephesians. He's talking to basically the, the crown point Ephesians, which is representative of us because they were just knuckleheads, just like us. They were people that came to Christ because they knew it was the right thing to do, but they had a lot of learning to do. They had a lot of growing up to do. They had a lot of things to figure out. And he's saying, you know what? You're called to live a, a higher standard. You're called to live to something bigger than just yourself. It's not just about you. You're called to live a life worthy of your calling. Remember that I'm a prisoner and that that may be what is expected of you. Now, I think about that a lot. I think about when I read missions journals and stuff like that and people all over the world that are, that are in prison for following Christ. It's like, wow, would I, would I really be that hardcore? Would I really be able to do that? I, I think to myself, yeah, yeah, I'd do that, but I've never been faced with that. I've always lived in a place where it's safe, where it's easy. And so Paul's challenging us that, you know what, sometimes you may have to stand up for Christ. Sometimes you may have to be willing to be ridiculed and, and, and do the hard things. And he's challenging us here, live a life worthy of your calling, for you are called by God. Second Thessalonians is a good verse. I put that in your outline there for you. And it says, so we keep on praying for you. This is Paul talking to the Thessalonians, asking our God to make you live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things that your faith prompts you to do. You know, how many of you have someone that has prayed for you, that you know it, whether it's maybe your youth pastors, maybe youth leaders, a parent, maybe a grandma, an aunt or an uncle, someone that really just prayed about you when you were just a mess. You're just doing everything for yourself and they were praying for you. I can think back at when I was your age, I was trying my best to get in trouble but it's like these little ladies at my dad's church were on the back of my shoulder saying, Jonathan, we love you. Jonathan, we're praying for you. And it's like I'd be thinking to myself, all right, I'm about to go out and I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to this party. And we're going to have fun. We're going to go out. And then, and then my dad would be there. Hey, son, I'll be waiting up for you tonight. I'll see you when you get here. By the way, praying for you. And I'm like, ah, way to go, dad. Thanks for ruining it for me. Have a nice day to you too, you know, but I think about things like that and I think about people praying for me and, you know, a lot of times you may resent that, but be thankful for that. Be thankful that somebody's praying for you. I guarantee you, Pastor Jeremy and Kristen are praying for you guys as students. They're praying that God helps you live a life worthy of the calling that God has placed on your life to be a follower of Christ. principle that I want you to take away from that is that freedom from the price of sin should leave us with a prisoner's perspective. You know, we too often, I think, think about this whole deal like it's just, like we're doing God a favor. Like, oh, God's sitting up in heaven saying, finally, Landon accepted me. I have now arrived. I now can put a notch in my cap and say, hallelujah, close the books. Landon Riley has now accepted me. You know, we think we're doing God a favor when really he's the one doing us a favor. And when we think about life like we should be a prisoner because of our sin, we realize that we've been set free from that sin for a purpose, for God, so that we follow him. We need to live life with a prisoner's perspective. Second word I want you to pull away and take away is patient. Patient. Now, how many of you are just naturally patient people that no one gets on your nerves Nobody bothers you even just a little bit. I am, I think I'm fairly naturally patient, but I got to admit something. My sister can get on my last nerve. No, this is not being recorded, right? This will not be put on the podcast. 
No, yes, you can't. My, I love my sister to death, but she, Theo, represent with me. Sisters sometimes can get on your nerves, you know. I mean, just saying, that's just the way it is. But, you know, I, I, still, I still love my sister. She gets on my nerves way less than she used to, but she's bossy. You know, she's pushy, she's bossy, she's nine years older than me, she thought she was my mom, and she tested my patience growing up, and she still tests my patience now. She still tries to boss me around, tell me what to do. But Christ's saying through Paul to us that patience is something that we need to strive to. Look at, look at what Paul says. He says, always be humble, always be gentle, be patient with each other. You see, Paul's saying something to us here. He's challenging us that living a life worthy of our calling means that it isn't about us. It's not about our preference. It's not about always getting our way. It's about realizing that we are called to live a life worthy of of following Christ. And that means it isn't just about us. If you think about life and acting normal, what does normal look like? Normal means everybody's trying to get everything for themselves. Everybody's trying to scoop up everything they can, get all that they can, look out for number one, take care of me, me, myself, and I, and everybody else, you know, who cares? Not really a big deal. But if we're going to change the way normal looks in our world, it has to start with us, and it has to start with followers of Christ. And so we need to be humble. We need to be gentle. We need to be patient with each other. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. I've got that on your outline there for you. It says, work at living at peace with everyone. Work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fall, fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you and corrupt many. You know, sometimes what can happen in what we call the body of Christ, that's a fancy way of saying church, the family of God. You know, what, what happens a lot of times in church is we get, you know, tizzy and all fussy about nonsense. And we get all irritated about, well, they just don't ever sing the songs I like at that church. You know, I really like Dr. Pepper and they have Mr. Pibb. You know, the, the lady at the coffee shop, she didn't even smile at me when she gave me my coffee. I mean, we can get, we can get bent out of shape about the biggest nonsense in the world. You know, I walked into Emerge, and, and they picked everybody for the game but me. I didn't even want to play, but, but they didn't even offer to pick me, you know. It's like we, we get all upset. We get, and, and, and here it's saying, you know what, it's not about you. Be humble. Be patient. Be gentle. Live life differently than what the world that we live in tells you how to live. Work at living at peace with everyone, it says, so that that root of bitterness doesn't grow up in you. One of the things that we need to do better at as Christians, as followers of Christ, is not getting offended. You know, I, I've, I've tried to live my life by a principle of refusing to be offended for the last several years of my life. And that's not easy sometimes. Because, you know what, sometimes Christians can be the meanest people in the world. And I hate to say that, but that's true sometimes. Sometimes people that are in church can be horrible But you know what? That doesn't change who Christ is. That doesn't change what he's done for you. That doesn't change that there's a world out there that needs him desperately. And we've got to do our best to represent him. And so what I'm challenging you to do, what Paul's saying, is be countercultural. Be different. And look at the last, how that verse ends. It says, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Now, a lot of times you look at that and you're like, well... I don't even like them, so how am I going to love them? 
it's not necessarily talking about your love for each other. It's talking about your love for Christ. How many of you are thankful for what Jesus has done for you? I mean, that's all of us. That's a real thing. Each day of our lives is a gift. It's, it's, we're bought with the price of Jesus' blood, and we owe that to him. And so he's saying, you know what? I've made a whole lot of allowances for you and your mess of life. You can do the same for others. And so as we look at our love for Christ, it's going to help us overlook offenses and faults and refuse to, to get offended about things like that. The principle I want you to pull away from that is if, we were, if we're not patient, it hurts relationships. You see, one of the, the biggest things that hurts church, one of the biggest things that can hurt emerge youth church is, is if we are so caught up with ourselves, one of the biggest things that can hurt Crown Point Church is if we are so caught up with ourselves, one of the biggest things that can hurt the body of Christ, all of the churches in this area and in this community and, and in our world, is if we get all upset about nonsense and it's all about us, and really, we're forgetting about what really is important to other people and relationships. You know, most people come to Christ through a relationship, whether it's a friend, whether it's a family member, whether it's someone saying, hey, why don't you come to Emerge with me? What's Emerge? Hey, it's, it's awesome. Just come check it out. It's our youth church. You'll love it. You know, hey, come to church with me. You know, we got this, we got that. You like it. And, and it's usually through relationship that that happens. And that's what Christ wants us to do. He wants us to not just be about relationships with people that we like or that are our type of person or our preference. It's about branching out and saying, you know what? Everybody matters to God, so they need to matter to me. Last word I want you to pull out is peace. Peace. You know, peace is a big buzzword in our culture today because everybody's like, man, if there could just be peace, if this could happen, we would have peace. If this would happen, we would have peace. If we would elect this person, we'd have peace. I got news for you. It doesn't matter who we elect. There is not going to be peace. You know, you can call for it all you want. You can smoke whatever you want and, and make you think you're going to get it. You're not going to get peace. Nothing is going to happen with peace until people accept Jesus. Uh, write this down. This is, this is not on your notes or on the screen, but... Write the word N-O, no, no Jesus, no peace. K-N-O, now write the second line, K-N-O-W, Jesus, no peace. If you know Jesus, you will know peace. You see, our world's looking for something. Our world is looking for peace desperately. They're, they're trying everything they can to fill that hurt, that void that's in their heart. They're, they're filling it with alcohol. They're filling it with drugs. They're filling it with sex outside of marriage. They're filling it with whatever they can, relationships, something that's going to feed that inner desire to bring them peace. And you're not going to have it without Jesus. And so Paul's ending this phrase here, making it very, very clear. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. You know, again, why? You look at this text, it's, it's real interesting how he's narrowing down on us as Christians really being tight, really being together, really having a common bond that is bigger than just ourselves, that we're focused on others. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in peace. Look at Galatians chapter 3. It says, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You receive the Spirit because you believe the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be after starting to live new lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human efforts? 
You see, a lot of times in the world of the church, we think we're doing it all by ourselves. We think we've got it all figured out. Well, I know all the words of the songs. I know all how to do this. I know, I look at, look at all the different things I do for God. Look at all the things I do. You know, it's not about us. It's not about us and our abilities and our preferences. It's about us being a part of something bigger than just ourselves. It says, make every effort to keep yourselves unified in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace principle you need to pull away from that is that peace requires our continual reliance on God, not on ourselves. And when we look at life through the lenses of trying to figure it out by ourselves, trying to look at what our culture says is normal to find the answers, we're never going to find the answers. But when we look to God's word, when we look to each other as the family of Christ, when we come together and bond together in unity over something way bigger than ourselves, that's when we can do great things for God. That's when we can change our world. You know, our world desperately is looking for change. You know, every campaign election is all about, I'm going to bring change. I'm going to fix all the problems. Only Jesus is going to do that. And that happens one person at a time. That happens with you realizing you're changed, you're different, and passing that on to the next person. I like to try to really just make one main point every time I bring a message, and, and I call that my message in a nutshell. And so that's this. Christ accepts us as we are, but to follow, but to follow him requires a new normal. I know that all of you in here, from what I gathered earlier, either knowing you personally or by your interaction earlier with some of my questions, most of you would say, I'm a follower of Christ. In fact, raise your hand if, you, if you'll say with, with me, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm following Jesus. He's, he's, he's that to me. I understand that. Then Jesus is challenging you that normal should look different for you. And so if your life looks the same as everyone else that you know that doesn't follow Christ, Jesus wants to change that. He wants to do something in you so that you stand out. And the other thing I want you to really think about in, in this talk tonight, in this passage of Scripture, is what it really challenges us to, to do and to be as the body of Christ. Um, how many of you know every person that's in here tonight? If you think you know everybody's name here, raise your hand. A few of you. Kristen probably does. You know, and as we think about that, how many of you want to see Emerge Youth Church blow up, like full, like having to add seats in the back, like having to kick the, the adults out of the sanctuary because there's so many coming? I think that would be awesome. I think that would be amazing. But what's got to happen between here and there is you being passionate about Jesus and passionate about loving people that love Jesus and, and making them a priority. And so I want to challenge you with something that you work hard on getting to know people outside of just your friend group. You may have people that you talk to every time you come to Emerge. Maybe some of them aren't here tonight, and so you had to talk to somebody different. You're like, oh, dang it, my friend's not here. My boyfriend's not here. My girlfriend's not here. You know, whatever. I want to challenge you. Go outside of your comfort zone. Introduce yourself to someone that you don't know. And don't just introduce yourself to them. Pray for them. 
you need to, if you want to see Emerge Youth Church grow, you guys need to be insane with showing them Jesus when they walk in the door. You need to, you need to let them know that, that Jesus is in you and that you care about them. You see people that are on the fringes, they don't have anyone they're really connecting with, step out of your comfort zone and, and draw them in. Help them. Help them feel like they are a part of things. I just want to end. Could you just play some, some music off in the media player quiet? I want to end with a little bit of a different spin tonight. I want you to close your eyes and listen as I read this passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 12. I want to read it out of the message. I like the way it says. This is Romans chapter 12. And it, and it challenges us about being so well adjusted to our culture that we fit in without even thinking about it. And I want to see you guys do great things for God. I know Pastor Jeremy and Kristen want to see you guys change your world, change your schools, change your families, change your communities for Christ. And that happens through you guys seeing things differently about what normal is. And so it says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around, your life, place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best out of you, developing well-formed maturity in you. God, I pray right now for each and every one of these students, God, that they would grow up just a little bit more tonight in you, that they would, they would change the way they think about life, because of studying your word tonight, because of digging deep into this and realizing that life is not just about them and pleasing them and, and having everything the way they want it, but it's about you. It's about living their life passionate about following you. It's about drawing others into your kingdom. It's about loving others more than we love ourselves. God, I pray for these students tonight. Lord, I thank you for each and every one of them. Lord, I thank you for every family that is represented here tonight, God. I just pray blessings on them, Lord, that, that as they walk out of this place, it'll be with a different perspective. It'll be with a perspective that is, is looking for someone to draw into your kingdom, looking for someone on the outs, looking for someone that's not following you and developing a heart to love them, to pray for them, and to, and to do everything that they can to show Jesus to them. God, I thank you, Lord, for these students, Lord. Just bless them tonight. Lord, we pray for, for the rest of the Emerge students that are at camp tonight, God. I pray that you just encounter them in a powerful way. We thank you that we've encountered you tonight, Lord, as we worship you, Lord, as we study your word. And Lord, I pray that, that you'll bring us all back together next week, Lord, and that you'll just see amazing things happen in these students' lives and in the lives of the students around them and that this church and this youth church grows because of their heart for you, God. Lord, I pray your blessings upon them in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen.